Welcome to the King's Healing Room Podcast, where we are a kingdom ministry within global presence. We are located at 4326 Pharaoh in Syracuse, New York, 13219, where the executive pastor is Elder Yulon Jones and the senior pastor and founder is Bishop Brian K. Hill Sr. All are welcome. So you got to sing another verse. Amen, amen, amen. Chosen this little black girl 
to do this big, gigantic feat. But don't worry, I'm hiding behind his coattails, amen? So whatever he says to say, I will say. Whatever he says to share, I will share. Whatever he says to do, I will do because God is a big God, amen? And I will bless the Lord at all times. So, Father, let the words of my mouth and the meditations of my heart be acceptable in thy sight. For you are my prince and my redeemer. Father, I ask that you touch these lips of clay. Mold them, shape them, use them as you only know how. And I will be uh, grateful to give you the glory and the honor for that. I ask you to prick the ears of your people, Lord, that they might be able to entertain and hear the words that are spoken and allow it to get into the inner ear of their hearing, oh God. That listening becomes an act of obedience, amen, and they're able to execute on your divine plan. So let us be refined in the fire of your word on today and the dross of imperfections, let them roll away from us, amen, so that others can see Christ within us through our experiences. Glory to your name, O oh God, and uh, we will get into the word. So I have learned, amen, I have learned to start each day with gratitude. And I have this big sign in my office, my home office, well, it's not so big, but it's big for me. It says, start each day with a grateful heart. And that is a reminder. I go into my office regularly, actually every single day, even when I'm not working. And sometimes just appear at that sign to say, am I executing and operating with a grateful heart on today? Oh my gosh. Many of us in here and online, we have achieve what others might conceivably say are success, right? We have pretty much the trappings of success. Uh, elders just was talking about my husband, and many of us have husbands. Many of us don't have husbands because we don't want to, and many of us are waiting on husbands because we want to, but we have the appearance of the trappings of success. So let me share what some of those trappings are. For me, it's good health. It's good health. I am recovering from bronchitis six weeks in. I feel wonderful, but boy, I would say we had to persevere through some adversity. There were some days where I was on that sick bed and I said, Lord, are you there? Oh, remember me. So what you're hearing is recovery. And sometimes recovery in the Lord does not sound and or look as as healed as we might be. But I am recovered. Amen. 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 And then some of us may have meaningful employment. We may have enough where we have over the years have some left over so that we're able to either give, buy that other purse, buy that other shoes, or give to someone in need. Some of us have meaningful employment. Some of us call the happiness of success by having our children and grandchildren be in their almost right minds, amen? Because sometimes you gotta shake them a bit to make sure that they know you are a child of God. You are in Christ Jesus. You shall 
perform what God has said for you. Amen. I don't care what your grades look like. I don't care what the people have said about you. You will bless the Lord. Amen. As we said and heard in Jeremiah where it says that as for me in my house, I will bless the Lord. Amen. I will serve the Lord. And to will is an act. It's something that you have to command because in this flesh and blood dwells no good thing. So it's something that we have to speak to ourselves. I shared with you that I go inside and I look at the sign that's in my office. Well, then there's oftentimes that I look in the mirror and I look in the mirror to decree and declare you will do this in the Lord. Amen. I look in the mirror to say the vision that the Lord has birthed and planted in you, it shall come to pass. Amen. Those are declarative statements. As Job 22 and 28 says, decree a thing, decree a word, decree a logos, and it shall come to pass. But you have to decree it. And when you decree it, you have to believe it. And when you believe it, you have to put actions in place for you to achieve it. Amen? We don't lay down and wonder and wake up and wonder. We know that it's a process. Amen? Glory to your name, O oh God. And so, uh, even though we have those, those attributes of success, and as we embark on these holiday seasons, I want to take a moment, a moment of silence to acknowledge that at this time where most of us may be in a festive state, we may be excited about Thanksgiving, which is my favorite holiday. We may be excited about Christmas. We may be excited about giving and seeing family. But then some of us may not be excited. Some of us may think of a festive time as an equally painful time. And so as we give way to these festivities and holiday season, each one reach one. Remember to reach out and invite someone. Reach out and, and just inquire about someone because where you are, they may not be for a variety of reasons. Whether they're on your job, whether they're in the street. I mean, yesterday, just alone, I believe we were driving and there was this man who conceivably was cold. I thought he was doing some nefarious behavior at first, but he was blowing into his hand, which denoted that he was clothed. And so I asked my husband, I said, hey, do you have any gloves? Can you give him some gloves today? He didn't give him any scratchy gloves. We didn't give him anything that we would not have wanted. He had plenty, the overflow, the blessing, amen? And he was able to reach out of the car and hand him a brand new pair of gloves. And let me tell you, I'm not saying that for him to have a pat on the back. What I'm saying is, is that there was a need. God placed us in a space to provide for that need. God placed us in a place to recognize that someone may have a need that God sent us to fill. So I encourage each of us to remember that we might have enough, but does our brother have enough? We might have more than enough, but do we have enough and a willingness to share to someone who is visibly and invisibly in need. Amen? Amen. Glory to God. But let's acknowledge those who have transitioned and acknowledge those who are experiencing transition during this time. 
I'm so grateful that God has shined his light on today because I said, okay, uh, the light gives me energy. The sunshine gives me energy. And I called upon him. I said, I'm going to need your energy on today to, to bring this word forward to your people. So I'm grateful for that. And while there's times of sadness during the festivities, uh, there's a looming sadness in the air with all of the things that are happening across the airwaves. I mean, people are going to start crazy, like, without notification. They are going wild. But I said, this is the day that the Lord has made, and I make a conscious choice and decision to rejoice and be glad. This, like right now, is the day that the Lord has made. How do we know? We woke up this morning. Amen. Amen. Yeah. How do we know? We are breathing. Amen. How do we know? I'm looking at you right now. And even those who might be experiencing sight challenge, you still can see something in the Lord. Amen. This is the day that the Lord has made us. And so during this Thanksgiving season, let's take a time and a moment to give gratitude to one another. Let's reach across the path and invite, yes, that person to dinner. Invite them to dinner because you might be able to save their soul from a pocket of food. And if they're not willing to come, bring that to them. Amen? Remember, you and you and you and even you online are a vessel that the Lord wants to use to decree and declare the good news. What is the good news? That Jesus saves, that Jesus died and rose again for our sins. We weren't always looking as good as we are right now. Or maybe some of you were. Maybe some of you were so coordinated in the Lord that you didn't have to call upon him. Maybe some of you here didn't have to cry and see the tissue spots on your face because you were crying so deep. Maybe some of you were dealing with an addiction or a challenge that was so deep that you didn't have a way out. Maybe you weren't that one that God said, I'm going to use your experience. I'm going to use your experience. Maybe. But I know a man who is willing, if you are, to use every bit of your experiences, not for your glory, but to tell somebody else that you know what, if I can clean her up from her ways, or him up from his ways, then there is hope for you and there is room for you at the table. Amen. There was a wise person that I learned of during my career that says if you are not at the table, you are on the menu. <laughs> Amen. And when they said that, it was in the corporate setting, meaning there's there's funding, there's positions, people always jockeying for something in the corporate ground. If you are not at the table, you are on the menu. But what I heard the Lord say, he flipped that thing on his head. He said, if you're at the king's table, the king's healing room, then you are on the menu, but you're on the menu in a different way. You're on the menu to sow a flavorful tune to someone else. You're on the menu to invite and allow your spirit to draw someone. You're on the menu to have your light shine so that men can see your good works and glorify who? God! That's in heaven. Amen. We are on. 
dominion. Glory to your name, O God. And so I often love fall because of the transition of the colors and the season. And we marched this morning when we were back in prayer, and I said, wow, there was a memo that went out about your room because several people in here had on the room. And then my mother Hill came in here, and my uh, uh, elder Munoz came in here, and I said, yeah, I got the black and white memo too now. <laughs> I got that memo. And what it shows me is that there's a variety, that there's an intimacy when you are in the word of the Lord, that there are compliments that each of us bring to the table. Just like the fall, some of the leaves of trees look very barren and naked, but there's a purpose for them too. Some have big bright leaves full of color, color, gold, maroon, all sorts of color. And if I can just digress for a half a moment, I had every single one of those colors on this morning. <laughs> the Lord said, you sure about that? And I said, no, no, not change. Today, I'm wearing it tomorrow. Um, <laughs> but uh, the crisp air reminds my lungs, the pneuma of my lungs, to take a breath. And if you've ever had some kind of lung challenge, asthma, bronchitis, or nothing, you will then begin to appreciate the crispness of the air. So let's take that exercise and just breathe in. And slowly breathe out. That's the supernatural gift that only God can give us. Glory to your name. Glory to your name.
we ain't experiencing that right now. But after being transferred to the Mayo Clinic, Matt was whisked to the emergency surgery with a different diagnosis, the kind usually reserved for the elderly. Matt suffered not just a heat stroke, but he suffered an actual stroke. And boy, the prognosis that they declared was grim. The neurosurgeon did not expect Matt to wake up. And if he did, he said Matt would be a vegetable. So as I continued to read, I was like, this ain't inspiring. As I continued to read, I learned Matt woke up, all right? He woke up, which is the first I will. Matt woke up. The neurosurgeon told Matt he'd never be able to move his left side again. And with the young boy's dream of becoming the next Michael Jordan destroyed, he ignored his father's urging to try to move his leg. I can't, like many of us, Matt said. Finally, his father confronted him. Matt, what did ever I can't do for you? His father says, if you say you can't do it, then you're not going to do it. If you don't start believing in yourself and believing something can happen, that you can do better, then you're going to stay as a vegetable and you're going to stay in a wheelchair. Mm. Well, Matt, like many of us, began to make promise because sometimes your loved ones have to be in your face and say, stop saying I can't. Stop saying I'm limited. Stop saying they won't let me do it. Stop. We are not victims. We are victorious. Amen. And like Matt, he began to make progress. He moved his left leg, the other left leg, Shake the leg, right? He moved his left leg. And then he moved his left arm. And I can imagine with someone who has experienced a stroke that that movement, even though on paper, was just really nonchalant, that it took mind, will, and physical ability to say, command this flesh to move. Amen? Amen? And so when we read that, then he moved his left arm, and he started walking with a brace even before leaving the hospital. Now remember what the neurosurgeon said, he would not be doing it. And so here was where the inspiration came in for me, that although his left side had a limited range of motion, Matt eventually played basketball. Amen? He, he eventually played basketball. He ran a 5K. That's where it came from me, because that's where it started for me. One mile, three miles, seven miles, 10 miles, 13 miles, 26 miles. And there you go. He ran a 5K. And then he even took up skiing, the very things that he could not do, or the doctor said he could not do. His will connected with his emotion, his emotion connected with the word of God. The word of God says, you shall. This shall. Amen. And I will. Glory to God. And so then he 
later because this is where it really hits. It's sometimes when you're going through and you're facing adversity, sometimes you think that it's only you. It's only you. Nobody can understand what I'm going through. Like I was laying on the bed at my home in week two or three, holding myself for the pain, saying, nobody understands what I'm going through. Lord, did you forget about me? He said, I have not forgotten about you, so get up. I didn't miss a day of work. Get up. Drove all the way to Boston. Now, I'm saying this because like man, he did what seemed to be the impossible to the best of his ability until God gave him further. Amen? And so then... I learned even more that it wasn't about him, just like it wasn't about me. I'm telling you the story of my bronchitis experience and healing because many of you have walked through illness as well. And whereas you're just thinking of it as just matter-of-factly, somebody is doing that same struggle as well. And so when you talk about it, the scripture says that we are overcome by the blood of the Lamb and what? by our test to moment. If you never test, then you can't have a moment. You can't have an opportunity to speak about that test. And I is in the middle of test I moment. That means it has to be personal or nobody's gonna believe you, amen? So when I began to look at this, what seemingly was a non-inspiration, and then I saw it change because I was able to connect with it, then I said, oh, if Matt can do it, then I can do it as well. And that test with the eye in the middle became the moment, and I'm the mouth speak today because a couple of weeks ago I could not speak. Amen? All right, here we go. And so he, Matt, became a professor and an athletic trainer. Who best can talk about the experience and train others how to do it in the face of adversity than someone who has walked through great adversity, amen? Than somebody who has stepped upon the heels and the neck of Satan and said, no, 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 no. You shall not speak upon me in that way. I shall not die, but live and declare and decree the works of the Lord. Oh my gosh. Gratefulness and perseverance in the face of adversity contributed to Matt giving God all the glory. Because Matt said he believes God used his stroke to help others. Can you say the same? Can you say the same that God is allowing you to go through adversity? Not for your sake but to help others, amen? So that you can get into the experience and relate to that person, amen? Oh my goodness. So think back in your lives where you have had to persevere in the face of adversity. I'm gonna give you a minute. Mm. Sometimes it's that whimper too that allows you to remember. We at the King's Healing Room Church don't have to look far when we think about there's a reminder to persevere through adversity. We don't have to think too far and we don't have to look far. So I'm going to do like the old days. Look down your aisle and touch your neighbor and say, neighbor, have you progressed and persevered through adversity? I 
carries that one, y'all. <laughs> and if you don't have anyone in your eye, look at yourself. Speak to yourself. Say, hey, do I remember when I have had to persevere through the face of adversity? So we have, as the Lord has described to me, whether it be here at the King's Healing Room or whether it's out in the world, we have become numb to the miracles of people overcoming great adversity, people persevering through great adversity. We become so numb, it's just a matter of fact. Let me tell you, people die for less than what we have gone through. And we're just matter of fact. He said, do we take for granted the supernatural overcomers that are a living epistle of God's word right around you? There are some here who are survivors of cancer. There's some here who are survivors of abuse, mental, physical, sexual, all of those abuses. We are here as overcomers in the Lord. That is a supernatural overcoming. Amen? And, and we become numb to it. We locked it away with a key saying, I'm done with that, so I'm going on. But remember Matt, he began to teach others. He began to open himself up. He began to unlock those secret places so that it could what? Help others be drawn to Christ and become one and seated at the table. Amen? Amen. Glory to your name, O oh God. So we collectively, as a unit, persevere in the face of adversity. We are overcomers. We have our testimonies to share, not to say stuff, but to share that we've overcome. Amen? Yes. Amen. At the King's Healing Room, we have testimonies of healing, of restoration and increase, and every healing is not in your physical body. It can be in your mind. It can be in your finances. It can be in your relationships. Healing, the king's healing room. So I asked the Lord, I said, listen, God, going into the hospital, you end up often getting more sick when you go into a place that is supposed to recover you. So when we look at our pews and they're filling up, amen, we have a charge to go out because the sick are not coming in. We have a charge to say, you know what? There is a space for you. Heal from that past hurt. Heal from that challenge. Maybe there's some things that you actually do need to fix or something that you do need to make a commitment. Amen? Far too many of us are lacking the commitment to Christ, so therefore we can't commit to others. And then... He reminded me that there's some of us that are over-committing and not able to do anything really well. Amen? All right. So, we decree right now in the name of Jesus to cast down any imagination, anything that exalts itself over the mighty hand of God. Amen? We bring into captivity to the obedience of Christ. Amen? 2 Corinthians and 10. Bringing every thought, every thought, every thought of covetousness, every thought of jealousy, every thought of pride, we bring it into subjection of God's word. Amen? And I'm reminded by God's word that said, well, 
me. It's for me. It says that his promises are yea and amen in Christ Jesus. Amen. So if he promised to keep me, if he promised never to leave me, then there's a practice that I have to do and then I have to believe actively. Amen. Amen. So, saints, we are reminded more than ever, more than ever, as we learned last week, untie your derriere. <laughs> untie your derriere and get to the assigned place to be used by God. Untie, let's say, untie my derriere. So I can get to the divine place to be used by God. We are no longer fair weather saints, amen? We are choosing to leave our post. See, y'all need to catch me there. We are not choosing to leave our post when the weather gets tough. You know, we are choosing to stay in those difficult and challenging times to persevere because trouble won't last always. Amen? Amen. I hear the young people saying, and I've actually started saying because I like, can somebody else to do it because I don't but every time we say get somebody else to do it God will he will even get a rock to cry out in our place amen because he said as he told Gideon look out there is a mass of people there ready and willing to help be in place amen you don't have to be everywhere be in place to be used by the Lord, amen? And it requires us to get still and understand what is our assignment. Uh, I was told recently that Steve Harvey was speaking to Samuel Jackson, and Samuel Jackson had somebody come up to him saying, hey, can I get your autograph? And Samuel Jackson was, you know, used profanity. He was like, get away from me, no, no. And Steve, it came up to him, can I get your autograph? And so he had to sign, and he kept on signing. He was like, hey, hey, Samuel, why do you get to talk to them that way? And I gotta be kind. Well, as the story goes, Samuel says, listen, I'm in their living room when there is a showstopper. So that means I'm set aside for a specific assignment. You're in their living room every single day. And so you have to show up every single day because it's a family affair. Now, both assignments are meaningful because Samuel, you paid good money to go see his little self, right? And then Steve Harvey, he's more like your brother. Like, he's in your living room. I watch uh, Steve Harvey almost every day on his show. He's like in your living room. But the same way that Steve interacts with the world is different from how Samuel interacts with the world. So think about those two when you feel like you have to be everywhere, every time, at all times. That's not true. Seek the Lord while you may be found, and he'll tell you where you need to go, what you need to do, so that you are not all bound up in knots, and you're able to rest, relax, rejuvenate, and be prepared for the service that he's called you. Amen? Glory to God. And so as I was thinking, I said, all right, now I've given you all 
a lot of scripture throughout this time. Hopefully you have captured it. But the main passage that I want to talk about on today is 1 Samuel 1, verses 1 through 20. And we're going to walk through this particular passage on today because it speaks about a very familiar person. Very familiar. We're going to exegete that text. Now, there was a certain man in Ramazasapim of the Mount of Ephraim, and his name was Elkanah, the son of Jeroham, the son of Elihu, the son of Tohu, the son of Zum, an Ephraimite. And he had two wives. Nobody had two wives in this day. He had two wives. The name of one was Hannah. The name of another was Phineas. And Phineas had children. Excuse me, Peniah. And Peniah had children, but Hannah had none. Very familiar passage. And so it says in verse 3, And this man went up to the city yearly to worship and sacrifice unto the Lord of hosts in Shiloh. And the two sons of Eli, Hophni and Phinehas, the priests of the Lord, were there. And when the time was that Elkanah offered, he gave to his wife, Peniah, and all her sons and her daughters portions. But unto Hannah he gave a worthy portion, for he loved Hannah. But the Lord shut up her womb, and her adversary also provoked her sword, for to make her fret, because the Lord had shut up her room. And as he did so year by year, when she went up to the house of the Lord, she was provoked. And there she wept and did not eat. Then said Elkanah, her husband, to her, Hannah, why weepest thou? And why eatest thou not? And why is thy heart grieved? Am I not better to thee than all the sons in the world? Am I not better to thee than ten sons? So Hannah rose up after they had eaten in Shiloh and after they had drunk. Now Eli the priest sat upon the seats by a post of the temple of the Lord. And she was in bitterness of soul and prayed unto the Lord and swept and wept sore. And so as the Lord had me think about the king's healing room and those out in, uh, in virtual land, he said that there's many of us who are weeping with bitterness in the soul. Remember, the soul is mind, will, and emotions. The soul is that captivity of the heart. Yes, he says that people are wearing smiles and they are saying all the right words, but there's a dryness in the spirit, amen? There's a dryness that the anointing is there to soothe. And you can't soothe that dryness by doing a lot of things. You can't soothe that dryness by having a lot of people around you. And Hannah was an example of this. And so she brought that bitterness of soul to the one who could anoint and to the one who could ease that pain. She brought the bitterness of her soul 
to the Lord. It's important to know that a soul, as I said, the mind she brought to the Lord, the will she brought to the Lord, her emotions, that thing that makes you feel real good or that thing that makes you feel real sad, she brought that to the Lord too. And she brought it to him and she wept. She wept sore. She wept to where there was a cleansing. The scripture says that he will cleanse you through your tears. Amen. That the salt of your tears will provide a purging within your body. Amen. She wept to a place and said, you can't understand the grievance that I'm feeling right now. And you can't heal me right now. And so there were some key takeaways, even from, from 1 to 10 at this moment, is that we can have all the trappings of success, but still have an unmet need. And that there's always going to be someone else that has what you want, that has what you believe that you should have at that point. There's always going to be someone else that looks better, that looks like they can do it better, and that it looks like they are prospering more than you. But be careful not to covet that someone else because what God has for you is for you. Amen? And then another thing, another key takeaway that I got from Hannah is when adversity taunts you, because it will, adversity, as I have so eloquently learned, is that opposite view is that loved one that knows exactly what's going to annoy you. And instead of operating in love, they use that very thing to twist and to get a reaction from you. Amen? That very thing, when it said adversity, the wife provoked her in the very place that they knew would pain her. Amen? Because nobody, nobody who has had children can experience what it's like to not have children but want them dearly. And so she was provoked. And so that was talking about children, but in your life, a man says, well, I don't have any children, and we know that, um, that the husband was like, listen, I've given you more than 10 sons. Like, I've given you everything. So we learned that even though you have your loved one on the side, whether it be your family, your father, your mother, your husband, they may not be able to fill that need in a way that you need them to fill it. And so Hannah, Hannah was taunted by somebody, and we were often taunted when there's something that we want or we know we should have because we feel it in our spirit and we don't. That's what taunts, amen? And so when adversity taunts you, provokes you sore, then the lesson here is take it to the Lord. That was what Hannah did. She said, she didn't fight back because it's true. She didn't have any children. And the woman was prospering having a whole bunch of children like Rebecca. Amen. Now, she didn't have any children. So the only thing she could do to settle that score is say, you said, you said, Lord, you gave me this desire in my spirit. Amen. To open up my own business. 
You gave me this desire in my spirit to love and have a husband that loves me. You gave me this desire in my spirit to be great in the Lord. Amen. It was you who said I was going to be a millionaire, a billionaire, and have resources above all.
to a place we know, like we know, like we know, that this trouble is not going to last always. That we know, like we know, like we know, that this pain, although it looks like it is going to take us out, if we yet trust in God, we will stand before his people as a living testimony. Amen? Oh my gosh. All right, I gotta hurry and get through this. So, um, in this passage, in verse 14, and Eli said unto her, how long will you be drunk? Put away the wine from thee. That was chuckling to me. 15, and Hannah answered and said, no, my Lord, I am a woman of a sorrowful spirit. So you've got to be able to be in a place where you're real with yourself. All right, I, I just can't say that enough. We are so conditioned to be happy all the time. We are so conditioned to share goodness all the time. But how many know that you don't feel that way all the time? And it is appropriate at the divine time to share that you are sorrowful in spirit. Because when you are in that moment, that you really, really need that help, God will have someone there to help you. And that's what he did for him. She said, I am a woman. Woman in that day denoted that you had all the capabilities to birth a child. Woman in that place denoted that there was nothing broken, nothing missing. So she called herself into who she ultimately was. It's a wholeness. I am a woman. I have everything I need, but I have sorrow. I have a disappointment in my spirit. I have had any drink. I don't have any additives, no adultery. But this is what my issue is. And if we can be really real with ourselves, then we got an issue. We are angry with God for some things. Well, maybe you're not. But I'm going to be real. There's some things that I have a question with him about. Amen. There's some things right out on the table where I said, listen, God, you said, and this ain't feeling like what you said. It's not an angry woman syndrome because often black women get counted as a person who is angry. I am not angry at all. At all. I am absolutely, positively real and authentic with the Lord at all times. Amen. To say that hurts me. And I find that when I am that way, he brings me to a passage that can soothe that hurt. And I'm spending a lot of time in this place because he's revealing that there's some people in here on today that has a deep hurt, that has a deep wound that you just want to just, you know, because she can't move on, because she move on past this, because I want to deal with that today. I have it nicely packaged in my, in my closet. And it's sitting there for me to deal with at a particular time, but it's not today. Can she move on? Well, I'm standing flat-footed with the Lord to say, he's saying, he needs you to dig up that hurt. He wants the roots of that hurt. Amen. He wants you to go right back to that place and remember, amen, that sorrowful spirit. What made you act that way? What made you feel that way? Who told you that you were not good enough? Because God says you are. God says you are. And she declared, listen, because they tried to put something on her. People will try and put something on you at all times. People will call you a label. You're angry. You're misunderstood. You're 
for the daughter of Beam, for out of the abundance of my complaint and grief have I spoken here to two. Have that conversation with your loved one. Have that conversation with your husband. Amen. Have that conversation with the Lord. Yes. Yes. He was good to me. He was good to me. And then the Lord of hosts said, Go in peace. And the God of Israel grant thee thy petition. Now, a petition tells me it's a repeated thing. So she didn't just ask for it once. When you petition, sometimes you got to get some sign-offs on that petition, amen? You got to petition. That means you keep on coming, keep on coming. We know that from the woman that was knocking on the judge's door, and she kept on knocking, 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 like I was keep on knocking, knocking with this word. She kept on saying it over and over and over again. Because when you are studying human behavior, you know that in order for someone to really get it, they have to say it seven times. So you gotta keep on doing it. You gotta keep on persevering. You gotta keep on moving, even in the face of adversity. Now, she said, let thine handmaid find grace in thy sight. So once she heard the words from the Lord, she asked for grace. And grace is that unmerited favor. So I'm asking on today for grace, that unmerited favor to hover over our lives, to hover over our spirit, to hover over our dreams. She said, I find grace in thy sight. So that unmerited favor in your eyes, because I don't deserve it. So the woman went her way. How do we know she believed it? Because she got up and she left. Yes. Many of us are still at the altar, or the heart of us are still at the altar of the Lord. And we stay at that altar, which is a place where things die. But that's showing a place of unfaith, of unbelief. We know that she believed because she got up and she went. So how many of us still have at the altar that issue? He said, don't worry about it anymore. Meaning, don't meditate on that thing anymore. Every time it comes up, and it will, because your adversary is going to hit you right in that space. But when it comes up, put a word on it and keep it moving. You said, I shall not die, but live and declare the words of the Lord. You covered the Lord. You said, I'm going to have it not to tell. I'm going to love and not believe it. I am living in my power. You said, so I'm going to need all of this to line up so that I can build be a part of the vision that you have for my life. And wherefore, it came to pass, when the time has come, that after Hannah conceived, so we know he will do it. He'll do it for you. She conceived. That means that idea stuck. It ain't like spam where you spray it in a pan and it doesn't stick. It was more so like cheese. You put it in a pan and you have to burn it up. Amen. She conceived. She conceived because she gave her hearts to the Lord. She cried and had it purified in the Lord. And then she received the word from the Lord. And she got up, trusting that it shall come to pass. And lastly, 
she had evidence that it really come to pass. Because when you conceive, you no longer keep that thing quiet. You can no longer hold that thing in the chest of drawers. You can see in the pregnancy of it is big possibilities, amen? When you conceive, then that thing has to be visible to others, amen? When you're pregnant as a woman and or as a man, you cannot keep quiet about the thing that's growing on inside of you. You cannot keep quiet about what God is birthing in you. She conceived. Now to conceive is the very first part where you have to nurture that thing. Nurture it. So you gotta speak to yourself. You gotta be hidden. You gotta be in the back until God cultivates that thing within your womb. She conceived. And then she bare a son. What I love about this illustration in the spirit when she bare a son, a son is replicatable. A son has the seed within it. And we often talk about replicate, duplicate, market, marketable. Well, the son represents the seed or the model to produce again, to produce that after its own kind. And only the son has the seed inside of him. Amen. The woman is a place of where it is imparted or implanted, but the son has the seed. And the only way she could conceive was she had to make a divine connection with her husband. Her husband, amen. So once you get that thing out of your spirit, then the divine connection with your husband, then remember Isaiah 54. Remember that because it's whether you are female or whether you are male, your husband is your maker. And when you are connected with your husband, then conception can take place. And when conception takes place, then it will bear forth the fruit as it will kind. How do we know that? Because the word of God back in Genesis, it says, and they, and we, they said, let us make man in our image. Amen. He made it after his own kind. Left. All right. Well, Bishop 
is an example of how God takes a thing that is meant for evil and works it for our good, not for us, but for the community. And I've learned very recently that Bishop is the building to the King's Healing Room. Amen. That's how the community sees that billboard. Amen. Telemundo's the billboard to our healing. Amen. I'm the billboard to those young women who are single and who are desiring to be in right standing with the Lord. You're a billboard for the ministry that God has for you. Amen. Ah. Billboard, personal relationship. Billboard is birthed out of the test that I have a moment for. Amen? So as we can stand on today and acknowledge that we have kings and queens, miraculous walking amongst us. And from this day forward, we will continue to recognize that God loves his servants in the king's healing room. That God has a place and a purpose for our lives. And the adversary is coming after us like no man's business because he doesn't want the good news to get out. And the moment that you are in your presence and that you're able to decree and declare what you went through, oh my gosh, that is an invitation for someone to say, he is no respected person. If he did it for him, he'll do it for me. We have this thing in our um, corporate space called Fireside Chats. And I encourage us, um, if we have an opportunity, to open up space for a Fireside Chat. I know that in church we call it testimony, but sometimes we may uh, not go as deep with the testimony. But a Fireside Chat is a structured way where it's moderated and the person is asked several questions and they're able to tell about their experience and we've gotten there. There's a fireside chat that I'm bursting on today and bursting in this, um, this space. And we have to be open in that fireside chat to learning some very incredible things that have happened in people's lives. So if you are willing, and I'll follow up with a bishop to affirm to create that fireside chat panel, at some point in this uh, uh, ministry before the end of the year where we can sit down and listen and learn from a panel of people to talk about their experience. So as we get ready to go and leave from this place, I pray that you were able to receive the message that the Lord crafted just for you. Amen. We crafted just for you over here. We crafted for you all online. And look at Hannah's experience. And don't count Hannah out. Yes, she went through some rough times. But she is who he dealt in the details. Amen. We know about Lydia or Benaya. We know she had uh, children, male and women. We don't know how many. And we don't know what the particulars after that. But we know the details of Hannah. So get into the details and allow those details to help soothe that place in your hearts and minds on today. If you bow, Father God, in the name of Jesus, we, we thank you today. Thank you for the light of your word, bringing levity, but also uh, bringing a hard place to the front matter of us. Thank you for revealing those places where we're holding very close to our chest 
and not allowing the light of your word to heal that place so that we can be in right standing with you and have and conceive the very thing that you have for us as a blessing. But we thank you in the end. We thank you in the name of Jesus that every person under the sound of this voice, my voice on today, that they will go back and they will read the scriptures about him and that they will be able to understand the walk that she had to walk toward. They will find themselves in that word and they will heal and they will experience the love that Hannah gave. And even as she made a vow to give her son back to you, let us vow to give our lives back to you. That we, in the light of the word, we walk circumspectively and that there'll be no blemish that is visible that we can't bring to you and have you be able to pull it out, pluck it out, shine it over, put us back in the fire. We will be forever grateful and just to give you, Father, the glory and the honor for these things. In the majestic, magnificent, awesome name of our Lord and Savior Christ Jesus, we say thank God. Thank God. Thank God. If you enjoyed this podcast, we have three different ways that you can give. One way is using the Givelify app by downloading Givelify using your iOS or Android device and search The King's Healing Room where you will see our senior pastor, Bishop Brian K. Hill's senior photo. You also can use our text to give. Here how it works. There are five steps. Step one, text GIFT to 1-844-981-2759, which is a unique to the King's Hill Room. Step two, you will receive a text with instructions. Step three, follow the instructions to set up a given account. Step four, text the amount you want to give and the designation. It could be a tithe, offering, or general fund. In step five, you will receive a receipt via email confirming your gift. And here's the last way you can give. You can use PayPal and send your donation to tkhroffice at gmail.com. That is T-K-H-R-O-F-F-I-C-E at gmail.com. Thank you for listening and remember to subscribe to listen to more messages like the one you have heard. We are the King's Healing Room and we are a kingdom ministry with a global presence.